everyone. Thanks for listening to the Midweek Podcast. In this show, we strive to open a dialogue of how life recovery and God's Word go hand in hand. Every week, our speaker will be going through the biblical process of life transformation. And now, another episode of the Midweek Podcast. So, small disclaimer, um, because pastor's here, and uh, I know what he's talking about on Sundays, and I promise you, I promise you, we did not compare uh, uh, sermon series. We didn't. He actually didn't know what I was going into, and then he told me what he's going into. I was like, don't say anything, don't say anything, because I I don't want anything that he has for me to actually spit out, and I don't want him to steal anything I got coming. Um, because I, I'm telling you, the Lord, he, when he said it, I was like, he's, he's going to teach me. But listen, listen, listen. I think God is so good. And, uh, and this is what we're walking through over the next three weeks. We're going to walk through some of the genealogy of Christ. Everything pointing towards his birth. I'm mainly hitting three things. Starting with Abraham, in the middle with David ending with Mary and Joseph, and I'm acknowledging the two different genealogies that are given in two Gospels. In the Gospel of Matthew, right out the gate, starting really with Abraham working through to Christ, and then in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, he starts with Adam and inevitably gets to Christ. There's a lot of discussion and debate as to why the genealogies, why the ancestry is different, slightly, um, but we don't have to really worry about that this week because, one, Matthew starts with Abraham, so that's where we're hitting it. And then, two, uh, every, um, since Luke does Adam through Abraham, there's really no dispute in comparison. So we're going with Abraham today. And I'm excited to talk about Abraham because in talking about Abraham, we're really just focusing on God. I want to spotlight a couple things that I find very interesting as we work through these genealogies, as we work through the differentiation between Mary and Joseph and the fulfillment and the faithfulness of the sovereignty of God through generations. Um, some believe, some argue that a differentiation between the two, and I'm so nervous about what pastor's going to say, is um, uh, a dispute between potential uh, Matthew writing to the target audience of Jews, uh, defining the Jewish lineage based on law, um, and Luke talking through as a doctor more of the lineage based on blood. Because Luke ends in Mary, and, 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 and Matthew ends in, uh, in, in Joseph. So what I want to start with is Abraham. And next week we're going to talk about where that split occurs, and it's with David. And then we're going to talk about how amazing God is through both Joseph and Mary, how he is so in control, even of the most minute details. He is perfect in his covenant, in his promise, in his word, in ways that we cannot even understand. So, with Abraham, we, uh, we pick up Abraham, and uh, I want to lightly hit how imperfect and messed up that guy is. Yes, his faith is incredible, but he also has horrible moments of zero faith whatsoever. 
okay? We always focus on this, and, and I'm studying David, and I'm studying Abraham, I'm studying these characters, I'm studying their character, and, uh, and I realize something, that we, we zoom out a lot when we talk about people, and we beat ourselves up a lot because we're always zoomed in. We beat ourselves up over a moment or a choice or a decision or a thing, and we, we, we let the guilt and the shame and all the stuff pour over us, and it turns into this cycle uh, of not thinking we're good enough or not thinking we deserve this or that, and we get in this, this bad mental state of depression, and it leads to other things and dependencies and coping mechanisms that are unhealthy. Uh, and because we look at Abraham, and even which we'll go through in Galatians and Romans, he was a man of faith. But the reality is Abraham messed up a lot. And you all know David did. Abraham messed up a lot. And one of the things, it's just, just a small reminder in case you guys feel bad. When Abraham and Sarah needed to, needed to go to uh, Egypt, um, he, he knew that Sarah was incredibly beautiful. And so worried that they're going to kill him so they can have his wife, he says, hey, you're my sister. Well, the Pharaoh ends up taking Sarah as his own because she's not wed. And he's covered in boils, and God punishes him. And he turns around and says, Abraham, why, why would you not tell me that this is your wife? Why would you not tell me that? Because Abraham was acting out of fear. He was acting with, lack, with a lack of faith. There's multiple times that we see Abraham fail. There are. But there's also multiple times we see him thrive. We see him step out in boldness and go uh, without knowing, would jump without knowing where he's going to land. To be sent just by the call of God. We see him here and receive a covenant by God. It's around 75 years old. That, that, that framework, hey, you're going to have ancestors as numerous as the stars in the sky. Kingdoms will be blessed by your ancestry. And Abraham and his barren wife, no offense, old in age, they couldn't believe it. And yet God still provided. Then the, the thing that which God promised, the thing that took almost 20 years to inevitably provide, uh, sometime later God says, now give them to me. Sacrifice him. Spill the blood of the fulfilled commitment that I gave you because I am your God. And don't put your child or your role as dad over your role as a servant of the Lord. So Abraham took his son and they went up and prepared to sacrifice him. God provided a substitute. We see these milestones, these moments in Abraham's life that are incredible. And he's known as the father of our faith because the covenant that was established with him by God, which we'll read. Hmm. I'm going to read 17. Genesis 17, 1b through six. Here it says, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you 
and I will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell to his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be Abraham. For I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you. Kings will come forth from you. In Genesis chapter 12, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house, from everything you know, to the land which I will show you. Jump, and then I'll show you where you're going to land. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. So you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, will I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. A covenant is created. Abraham, chosen by God. To be the beginning of the bloodline that inevitably blesses. So he establishes this covenant with Abraham, and, uh, and he promises children, and he promises all of these things, and as the Lord guides him, he provides it. As he goes down to Egypt, a place um, that is very prosperous, that we see a common thread and repetition um, through the Old Testament, he warns them, saying, there's going to be a time when your ancestors, when the people that are after you, they're going to be in bondage for 400 years here, but I will deliver them. God told Abraham that this is going to happen. And then we see Abraham go down to Egypt due to a famine, and he goes down to Egypt with Sarah, and they make their decisions, but inevitably they leave. But when they're left, they, they, they have been multiplied. They've been given animals and gold. They've been equipped with things to make them more prosperous and more of an impact for God. So they went down, they received God's blessing in a, ta- in a place called Egypt. Whenever Abraham didn't deserve it because he was acting and offering out of fear and not faithfulness, yet still God blessed him and he came out of it better than he did going in. I don't know about his relationship with Sarah at that point, I'm going to be honest, but, but he came out of it better than he did uh, when he was sent in. So Abraham comes out. And, uh, and we see him having Isaac and growing in his relationship with God. Another time, he tried to circumvent the timeline of God and rush things. He knew what God said was to come, um, but Sarah wasn't, still wasn't having children. So Sarah suggests you taking uh, her maidservant as his wife to have a child, and Ishmael is born. And, uh, and once that relationship gets a little difficult, he is then banished out and sent to the east. And God even said that he was going to bless the ancestry and the descendants of Ishmael. That's why Abraham is, uh, is in the Quran. Because that's where that goes. That's why the Abraham is seen as the father of their religion as well. But the problem with theirs is, is Christ isn't the Messiah. And there's a lot of other messed up stuff too, but let's just say that and then keep going back with ours. So, 
Abraham uh, is the beginning of the covenant that's established. Some people can look at Abraham and say a lot of different things, um, but I listened to a pastor break down the incredible qualities of his leadership, and he used it with this one statement. God established the covenant, uh, the covenant and established the outward symbol of the covenant that was established with Abraham through circumcision. And somehow a man was able to talk all of the men in the household to be circumcised because God, who they had no relationship with, God, they didn't have a book to go by, God told him so. And they were. They were circumcised, and from that point on, circumcision was an outward symbol, like baptism is for us today, like my wedding ring is for my marriage, an outward symbol of a covenant that was begun and initiated by God. And the faith to walk under that covering of the covenant. So, we see uh, Egypt being an incredible opportunity. Faith, both his actions that prove his faith, that prove his leadership, that prove his influence, that prove how sold out he was to risk everything for the sake of the Lord. And we also see him operating in his brokenness in very difficult ways. And yet God, in his sovereignty, guided Abraham, gave him a taste and pointed to the promised land that was inevitably uh, taken by the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. He, He told them about the ancestry as numerous as the stars in the sky. He told them about the nation that would be birthed and the kings that would come forth. David, And he showed them all of these things. But what I want to focus on now is I want to jump to the New Testament. So if you have your Bibles, open to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, and I'm starting in verse 21. I'm reading out of the NASB. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all of those who believe, there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified by a gift of His grace through the redemption which is in Christ whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because of the forbearance of God. He passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of this righteousness at the present time, so that he who has faith in Jesus, when or where then is boasting? It excluded by, the, by what kind of law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we maintain that which man is justified by faith apart from the work to the law. Hmm. Jump over to verse uh, chapter 4. For what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has been found? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has had something to boast about, but not before God. 
For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. If you look at the timeline of Abraham, his faithfulness to the Lord, and the law that was established with Moses, in Genesis it says the faithfulness and the obedience, the faithfulness of Abraham was credited as his righteousness. He was in right standing with the Lord. This is before the law. In Galatians, when we look at it, this is before circumcision. This is before the legalistic things that were established. Before the religion, God spoke. Abraham believed. He had faith, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. Righteousness before Christ. Faith was the factor. That blows my mind that we get the privilege of seeing this after Christ, after the resurrection, after the sending of the Holy Spirit. But he got a taste of it in the very beginning, and all he had was his word spoken to Abraham. Do this. Go, and I'll show you when you get there. His faith made him in right standing with God. Even though his sin was obvious. So you're telling me that even way back in Genesis 12, that one is saved through faith? Yes. Yes, I am. The faithful obedience to the Word of God faithfully believing that when God spoke, that was, the, that was it. No ifs, ands, or buts. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to no one who works his wage is that credited as a favor as what is due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. And then in verse 6, it jumps to David, which is kind of the same thread that we're doing. Galatians. Chapter 3. You'll see some similarity in the Scripture. Chapter 3, verse 6. And we're going to sit in this for a little bit. Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Verse 7, therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preaching the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying all the nations will be blessed in 
you. All the nations will be blessed in you. God communicated. Actually, we can even, it's quoting Genesis 12 there, I think. Yeah, 12, verse 3. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So, we see the gospel communicated to Abraham the good news before anyone else. We see the gospel communicated. I actually have that verse. I don't know why I didn't read it. Where is it? Where is it? Hmm. Oh, Lord. Twelve three? Romans? Genesis twelve three? No, no, no. Yeah, I was just there. I just read that one, but there was a passage in the New Testament where God says, even before three twenty five, thank you. He's helping me prepare this message. Let's go. 325. Yes. Nope. Come on, look for it. I have it written wrong. Well, I want to show you specifically because that's like the cool part. Lord, where is that? The gospel, the gospel, where is it? Look for it. Huh? I'm talking about whenever he's writing in the New Testament that the gospel was communicated and revealed to Abraham. There it is. It's underlined. Listen! The Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Just read it. Come on. It's uh, Galatians 3, verse 8, second portion. Okay? Preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Sweating. All right. Here we go. (laughs) All right. This is what's beautiful to me. The Gospels are always accredited to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When we talk about sharing the Gospel, typically we've, we've packaged it up and let me tell you about Jesus, which is true. That's a portion of the good news. But the Gospel began and was communicated. This is why the Bible isn't just 66 individual books. This is why it's the book. The gospel was preached to Abraham in the very beginning. He got a taste of the reality because of the covenant that was established that all nations will be blessed through his ancestry. He got the first taste of the coming of Christ 
told to him in a private conversation that says, go, and this is what I need you to do. Cut that off, and this is what I need you to do. I'm going to provide this for you, and this is what's important. The gospel was shared. It was given to Abraham. And it was in him. And I'm not just talking about the covenant. I'm not just talking about the blood. It was in him, the good news and the hope of the blessing that is to come. He was then a steward of it. And so are we. Abraham had a choice. And so do you. So do I. What I love about this is that it's in you. In verse 6, no, no, no. I'll just go with the original. In chapter 12 of Genesis, verse 3, it says, And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. In you this gospel is deposited. For those of you that have experienced salvation, redemption, restoration, a new life, a new beginning, in you the good news will be distributed amongst the world. In you and through you. That's the word that was given to Abraham. And what was true for Abraham is true for a believer in Jesus Christ today. You're just on a different plot in the, you're on a different point in the timeline. But he says the same thing to you and me. It's in you while you serve people at the restaurant. It's in you while you're at college. It's in you to be distributed in your home and to your children and your grandchildren. We are the stewards as a church of the good news. Generations will be blessed because of what God's deposited in you and because of what he paid for you. And it's got nothing to do with what you deserve. If anything, your actions and who you are even justify it. You, you don't deserve one bit of it. He's that great. So how great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? Because they're going to know, based on how we sing, how great, how great, how great are you, God? While we were unpacking this, Alex, the, 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 the in you is what got me fired up. I just kept circling it and writing in our notes, in you, in you, in you, in you. He gave it to him. The gospel was presented before Christ, before all these things. His faith was seen as righteous in the eyes of God. His belief, it's always been that way. It's not your your. your your circumcision, it's not whether or not you've been baptized, it's not how good you attend church, it's not how much you tithe, it's not how much you give, it's not, it's not, it's not how sinless you are, or how fake you are, or the fact that your marriage has longevity. That's not it. That's not, that doesn't earn you any of it. And for some reason, we think it does. It's your faith in God. Your faith. Your faith in what Christ did. Your faith that he is sovereign. Your faith that when he speaks, that's just the best thing that you can do. It just is because of who he is and what he's done and where he sits on the throne of all of, all of creation and your heart. 
There's no searching when he's spoken. There's just doing it. Because of your faith. So, the reality that it is in you, the reality that it's in me, both scares me to death, but also makes me smile. (laughs) There's no honor and privilege closer than sharing the good news that leads to someone's aha moment that God is real. And he sees you even at your worst. And yet he gave everything to have a relationship with you. For that, I am thankful. And that's the reason why I try to share. So my question to you and my challenge to you is to acknowledge who he is, acknowledge what he's deposited in you, and steward it well with the people that he's surrounded you with. And it starts by telling them. Go. Share the good news. Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for tonight. As we look at your birth, December 1st, as we look at your birth, as we look towards your birth, God, we celebrate what you said. A relationship with you didn't start with the birth of your son. It started in your relentless pursuit of your creation. And we get a taste of it here with Abraham. We get a taste of your covenant We get a taste of your promises. We get a taste of your forgiveness, of your grace, of how good you are as a father. We get get a taste of what it means to have faith in you. As we look towards the horizon of the blessing that is to come, that is the birth of your son, it's changed our lives today. Father, we give you praise. We worship you. God, thank you for making it simple. It's our faith in you. An overflow of that faith is our obedience in what you've said. When you say go, we go, no questions. When you say do this, we do it, no questions. Because we know your voice. And we know who sent us. Father, I pray for anyone in here that has yet to begin a relationship with you. If tonight was their aha moment, 
If, if, if you spoke through the lack of lyrics, through uh, the fumbling of a, through a, a scripture, um, through a mess, Lord, if you spoke, God, I pray for that person to respond. For those of us who have been only looking at uh, the outward appearance, God, trying to do all the stuff so that we're in good standing with you, Lord, I pray that you simplify it back to our faith. Holy Spirit, help us with our unbelief. Help us with that faith. God, give us an opportunity to respond with how you're moving in faith. Lord, there's some in here that it's in them, it's been in them, but they haven't let it out. They haven't shared that gospel. And when I say that, I'm talking the good news. They haven't been bold. They haven't struck up a conversation with someone. When you felt them, when when they felt you prompting them to ask a person, checking them out at the grocery store, to look across the table and say something to their significant other, to sit with their kids and to talk with them. God, that, that Holy Spirit, that you would give them boldness to do it tonight. That you would give them boldness next time to just jump. Not knowing where it's going to land, but being prompted by the Holy Spirit to deliver the gospel wherever they're at. That we are good stewards of the good news. And that we are good stewards of this December as we go towards the 25th. And when it comes to Either, well, I don't care if it's women that we know that we can invite to this Friday. I don't care if it's people that we know that we can invite to Sunday. I don't care if it's people that we know that we can invite to next Wednesday. Whatever the reason is, the vehicle in which you do it, God, I pray that you just do it. And that you allow us to just say, what's next, Lord? Sounds good, God. I'm on my way. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray.